Hello, Assassineers. Welcome to the Assassin Action Podcast. I'm your host, Tarachne Moro. <laughs> and I'm your host, Dromizic Jessen. Oh shit. I can see uh I can see where your head's at, what you've been doing lately. <laughs> That's right. You did warn me. I'm, I'm in the pits. I'm rich with contracts and I got many fun outfits to wear with all my different masks. So that's what I've been up to. <laughs> What's up, Isaac? That's what you that's what you spend your contract money yeah, on. Masks. Is your yeah, your all the latest hot masks, but then you gotta take more contracts because yeah. you're pecking out of money. And I got yeah. a guy too who doesn't give me bootleg masks. He gives me the real shit, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah. Those yeah, Louis Vuitton fucking mm-hmm. murder masks. Yeah. Cool. So cool. <laughs> Welcome to our Flesh and Blood podcast, everyone. This is kind of about what it's usually about when we start off. Um, how's it going, Taylor? How are you? Uh, I am good. Uh, I'm recovering from homecoming. So uh, if this is your first episode. Nice. You rage with all your students. <laughs> <laughs> if this is your first episode, I work at a high school and I'm the athletic director. And part of my job is to put on this gigantic festivity day long thing, which is called homecoming, which I don't really get anymore, but our football team plays a game. And then somebody once said, it's not fair that homecoming is all about football. What about soccer and volleyball? And then now the tradition is, I have to schedule two volleyball games, two soccer games, and a football game on the same day. And it's super stressful because everybody gets really mad at you if anything messes up. And this year was insane. So uh, boys soccer went went perfectly. I was like, okay, cool. It's going to be super chill. Girls soccer game plays next. Their team is like, shows up basically at game time, so stressed. Uh, the volleyball refs for the volleyball game, which are happening simultaneously, which is also stressful, uh, it are late also. So that's that's round one, and then but then it gets awesome because volleyball wins, girls soccer wins. Uh, shout out to one of my students who scored four goals, super awesome freshman phenom. Yeah, she also drives a golf cart to school. Nice. Lives in town. A freshman sp- scored four goals. Yeah. She just went crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Drives a golf cart to school to and fro and drives it at breakneck speeds too. She just goes pedal to the floor and it's just, it's hilarious. What a great student living the dream. Uh, then we're, we're warming up for our football game and uh, our opponent is late for this game also. Like usually football teams show up two hours before their game because they got to like put on their football pads and like put icy hot all over their bodies. And uh, coaches got to talk to them about how it's a battlefield and they're going to war and blah, 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 blah. Uh, And the power goes out in the whole town of Miranda and the surrounding areas. And everybody's like, we blew a fuse. The lights are out. And so I'm checking the fuse. I'm like, no. And then I'm looking down the street. And I'm like, oh, fuck. 
all of the lights are out everywhere. And then, so for like, and we're trying to do, we also have this big celebration of senior athletes, which is a mixed bag because every person who's ever played a sport gets to be recognized. Even if you're, you've played JV uh, baseball one time and you want to be recognized as a senior athlete, as a senior who was an athlete, we'll honor you. So there's like 30 athletes that we have to like fit in before this football game. And that's like currently happening as the power goes out. So great community moment. Everybody gets out their cell phones, creates a tunnel. It becomes like a cool thing. But then I'm like running around like, <laughs> okay, the power's out. How do I call in PG&E? Okay, 1 a.m. is when they expect to put the power back on. <laughs> awesome. How do we solve this? Then somebody goes, we know this new troublesman or whatever that guy's job is called. I think that's what it's called, troublesman or something. He just moved into town. I'm going to call him. And I'm like, okay, cool. Sounds like a made-up job. Whatever. Call him. Calls him. 15 minutes later, he turns the power back on like remotely. I'm like, what? So a lot of things happen. One, I just took all of the credit and said, I did that. Everybody, you're welcome. I saved the day. It's a Christmas miracle. We have our football game. We also win our football game. Knee, knee jerk. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you got to It's called job security. <laughs> Knee jerk. I did that. Yeah, totally. Nice. Just in case anybody was wondering, it was all me. Yeah, that's very stressful. Yeah. Uh, and then in my mind, I'm like, okay, so all this time growing up, and let's just say in the past five years, when the power goes out in our community for like five days, all we really needed was somebody locally who has a fake sounding job to call them and be like, hey, could you turn the power back on? And they go, Oh yeah, totally. I just did it from my cell phone. Your power's back on. Where our like my mom's house will be out of power for like three days straight. So a lot to process there. But homecoming happened. Mm. And then I got home at midnight thirty and was in bed by one. And so that's how I'm doing. I'm glad that's over. <laughs> Long story short. That's nuts. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. If you're new to the podcast, I am actually one of Taylor's students and I spend most of my free time trying to make his job harder. <laughs> I cut the power lines. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. That's a very full day. Like, okay, they're turning the power back on at 1 AM. I wonder if the parents will be willing to hang out till one and then we could play the game. Totally. You know? Like, what do you suppose? There's no generator, I guess. At the high that's school. the other thing is then uh local legend, Lonnie Whitlow goes, I just sold the school. Like, two years ago, a gigantic generator that could power the whole town. It's sitting over there. And then I talked to the maintenance guy who's there who's off duty. He's like, oh yeah, we just tuned it up. It's working. It's not plugged into anything, but it's over there. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Whose dad is electrician? No nobody thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody signed the check for that generator, but then nobody. Just anyway. classic bureaucratic public school. <laughs> stuff which is pretty crazy and then we had a really bad injury in the football game and so that was hmm. also upsetting but so it was like, like crazy eventful and i walked uh 10 miles on last friday and today's monday the 23rd <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, you mean at the yeah. event, pacing back yeah, and forth? Yeah, that your day, steps. I had to, nice. 10 miles. <laughs> so anyway, that's what... Well, I'm glad you recovered. Yeah, thanks. That's my big recent news. What's... Top that, firefighter, real-life hero guy. Um, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's... It's now fall, so there are less fires. People still get hurt and have emergencies, but they're, it's slower because there's less fires and no campaign fires um, in the state, which is like good news for everybody, but except me who, you know, or us who like to stay busy and, you know, could use a good fire. Um, but uh, on Monday, I'm going to an academy for three weeks, which I just found out about today and that's big news so you'll miss the production meeting yeah next monday (laughs) yeah (laughs) okay you hear that colin it's just me and you that's that's you since chit chats after the recordings you know now taylor doesn't know anything i'm going to tell him (laughs) (laughs) saving all of our visiting anyway right now yeah uh yeah i don't know i got little things but not not much I didn't uh, save the whole school from a power outage by rewiring a generator (laughs) all by yourself. Exactly. I also lifted it all by myself, too, above my head. Nice. With one One hand hand. off of a baby. Yeah. Great job, man. It's easy. Athletic director strength, you know, just comes to you in the moment. There was also a lot of drama. I had to fight with a very big, rich school in our area. I won't name names, but that was, it's not even in our area. They're 250 miles away. That was a very depressing, that was a low point for me when they were talking about unfairness and stuff. And I was like, you literally, the children who go to your school pay you more than I make in a year. How is that unfair? How am I being unfair by asking for a, a a game time switch? That's all. This is unfair somehow. Okay, that's fine. All right, I'm gonna go save homecoming. Oh, you know, spoiled rich kids. <laughs> Yeesh. Anyway, <sighs> all right. Should we get into flesh and blood stuff? Yeah, what do you got? What are we talking about? Well, first? we're going into the news here. So the big news is Azalea wins the calling Taipei in amazing fashion, beating Nick Butcher, Justin. Oh, man, I'm so bad at last names. Well, everybody knows him. Justin, the new leader of the Azalea cult, uh, does it. 100 LL points on the spot. It was dope, too. He was so psyched. Yeah. Whole- it was so happy. It was a great. It was moment. great, and it was fun yeah. watching him play. Did you cry? It was like a sports moment out of a movie. It, it totally was. Did that one get yeah. you? <laughs> Maybe nice. it'll be in the documentary of Flesh and Blood. <laughs> Better. Yeah, go go watch um, that back. I think it's on the Flesh and Blood YouTube. You can watch all the coverage and stuff. Shout out to Newson, mm-hmm. one of my favorite commentators. Um. Yeah. I love news. He's just himself and very insightful and relaxed. Totally. You know? No, it's great. Great commentary. I'm glad they 
pulled him out of the office. Totally. No shout outs to Sam. He's too famous now. He's all over the place. <laughs> He's done it. Okay. He's done it. Great job, Sam. He doesn't need our our butt slaps or anything. He's fine. Yeah, he's he's, he's got plenty of high fives. He's doing good. Uh, up next, so Taylor just showed me this video. I had missed this little segment. Awesome. Jeremiah wins the calling, and Gee roasts James White, which I thought was just like even better than winning the calling. <laughs> awesome. Great job. Yeah, it's hilarious. Yeah, Jeremiah wins. Pretty crazy. Jeremiah Mir, uh, Gui was awesome. Great interview friend of super fan Thor Mike and has the most pimp deck I have seen in a long time. Max rarity drill my deck. So that was also cool. His play was awesome. And uh, we'll talk about that meta and its implications on our game <laughs> and uh, design, etc. later in the show. Next up. Up next, Lexi. Lexi has hit. Li- oh, you know, I did oh, it together. Okay, yeah, yeah, let's do Lexi it. Lexi has hit living oh, legend. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, okay, one, two, three. Lexi. Lexi has hit. Has hit. Living, living legend. legend. Perfect. You think, you think that's entertaining for everybody? <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> they love our show. Yep, she did it. Um, not officially, but unofficially community confirmed. Pretty awesome. Yeah, she she has enough points. And we'll talk more about that in our main topic also. Since but we don't need to do it twice. Congratulations there. to Lexi. You did it, girl. <laughs> she did. Uh, she went from like shitty underdog that nobody looked at to <laughs> granted with new cards, but to like the hated powerhouse of the meta, you know, everybody hates the best deck. Yeah. Always. Not, not everybody. Actually, the majority of people love the best deck because the majority of people are playing it and having a great time. Like, woo, I'm playing the yeah. best deck. This is fun. Uh, everybody else hates it. Yeah. Now. And then like a very loud few people hate the best deck every time. So whoever's next, just get in that cycle and that'll be fun. Uh, last up, there's a number of events coming up, but the big one is calling Melbourne. That's happening at the beginning of November. I'm excited to see what happens there. There's a lot of good players in that region, and it's probably like kind of the one of the more big tournaments we have. Uh, and I can't remember what's going to happen with the living legend announcement if it happens like right before that weekend and Lexi will not be available or she will be. So I'm interested to see if that is uh, our first look or if they're going to wait in for a super fresh format for worlds. I thought the announcement was after, but I don't know. Anyway, it's somewhere around there. We'll We'll find out. If you know, just put it in the comments below or angrily tweet at me. That's fine, too. <laughs> um, next up, we have shout outs, which both of these shout outs are yours, but um, I'm pretty hyped on this, too. We we just released a reaction step, 
which was maybe a bit rambly, but we had a lot of fun and introduced a new format, which I'm just like, I'm pretty hyped on. Yeah, me too. I maybe wasn't as much before we recorded, but the more I think about it, I'm like, I just want to live in that world, you know? So, so tell, tell me about that. Okay. So you coined the term, which was great. Great job. You give you your flowers on that one, the living lurker format. So the other LL format, it's everybody who sub 100 living legend points on the leaderboards. So we're talking your arachnes, your riptides, uh, all, all the new mechanologists, your vincets, your prisms. It's, yeah. it's awesome. Levia. Levia. So yeah, we, we do a YouTube video show that also has an, is in the audio feed called the reaction step. And so we did a tier list ranking those heroes from S tier to D tier. And it was a ton of fun to do. And like Isaac said, that's just the meta I want to play in. <laughs> it's so, <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> and pretty swampy. Yeah. And it was, uh, it was, I think we were a little spicy in there, you know, our top picks people were all instantly disagreeing with, which is fine. I just take that as uh, they didn't do their homework and just have anecdotal evidence. Yes. We played thousands of games in this meta yeah. to determine our, yeah. no, that's not true at oh, all. You should have just left it. In. Maybe I'll just cut that out. <laughs> 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 fix it in post yeah it's already solved we did it <laughs> yeah. that's what we've been doing this whole time <laughs> yeah totally so uh if that interests you go check that out on our youtube or just uh wait for it to pop up in the uh audio feed it might already be there by the time this this episode comes out which that brings me instantly into our tiny advertisements now This podcast is free and basically advertisement free. So that means it is audience supported. So that means y'all at home are helping us keep these mics going and just keeping the podcast afloat as us real life adults in our thirties and almost forties are trying to uh, keep up the content creation. So uh, support us on Patreon. $4 $4 a month, one latte, less than the price of a gallon of gas a month to get all of our free content. We have one paywalled show called The Time Snap, uh, but it's not even flesh and blood related. It's just, uh, we just talk about whatever we're interested in for 30 to an hour minutes long. And with that, you also get access to our yeah. Discord where it's an elite group of super nerds who have all of the best takes and the cutest animals you've ever seen. Shout out to Riptide Jesus. His dog was taking his dog bed up a flight of stairs and he captured that in photographic form and showed it to us. And it was one of the best things I've seen. Yeah. Our discord's great. We have a lot of good, discussions great puns great side conversations you know so next time 
Next time you're drinking your fucking pumpkin spice latte, I hope you look down at it and you feel shame for not supporting us and drinking that fucking latte that you don't even need. You know, you already had coffee this morning. You're just treating yourself. Well, treat yourself to the tack action. All right, I'm done. Sorry. That was good. That's I like that. Thanks. I like that. <laughs> Get them. I just, you know. <laughs> what are they going to say to you? You're a firefighter. You literally <laughs> save people. You know what I mean? Isaac always is the holding. I could just say whatever yeah, I want. Kind of, time. you know, <laughs> kind of. Uh, two other plugs here in our advertisement segment. Segment uh, One, if you would like to ask us a question, get out your phone, which you're already listening to this podcast on. Hit pause. Wait, 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 wait. Don't hit pause. Okay. Hopefully you hit pause and then restarted it to listen. After you listen to my directions, hit pause and do the following. Think of a question. Record a voice memo. Send it to the attack action podcast at gmail.com. Then resume the podcast and keep listening. And then we'll play your question live on the show and answer it. And that'll be really fun. So do that. Get that in. Get those in. Yep. And if it's just the sound of you slurping a pumpkin spice latte, that's hilarious. And we will definitely play that also. Totally. But you're going to have to figure out how to confirm it's pumpkin spice, not like peppermint or like a frappuccino or something. Uh, pumpkin spice frappuccino would be fine. Last thing. This one's a big one. So Greg, a.k.a. Darth Prentice has taken over our... What's up, Greg? Yeah, what's up, Greg? Has taken over our lore readings project. So if you've ever heard Greg, he has a very soothing voice and sounds good on the mic, has a face for radio. So this is a perfect job for him. And uh, he's taking over all of the recordings and we're going to be releasing those on the channel. So keep your ears prepared, wax free, so you can get all those good uh asmr and perfect decimal levels etc that uh greg aka darth prentice is going to be bringing us in the near future so thank you so much greg look forward to it for your asmr stories <laughs> yeah i was uh thought about using more turn scientific there. terms or whatever <laughs> but then i was like nah whatever the inner ear is fascinating but gross at the same time <laughs> so anyway and on that note <laughs> um, let's move into our our main talk so this is the kind of like a split pod right we we've had this question that we've had floating around us producers or whatever we are of this show um internet and that artists is, sure is that uh is the living legend system working you know, do we like it? Do we not like it? Is it functioning as intended? Um, you know, so we're going to, we're going to answer that question here for a bit. And then we're going to move into just a discussion on the meta. Um, we're just, we're in the beginning of a ProQuest season and old has gone. Lexi's still around and we have a new set and new heroes fresh off the, the, the press. So, you know, we're going to, we're going to dive into that and just, you know, give our thoughts on the meta, our hot takes, 
Um, you know, is mill a good strategy? You know, things <laughs> like that. <sighs> so first off, the living legend system, Taylor, is it working? Uh, I mean, I suppose so, you know, uh, heroes have ascended and rotated out, you know, uh, is it, uh, the best system or, I mean, there's like a lot of nuance to this, right? It's like, how quickly do you want heroes to LL? And then like what happens when heroes are a little bit pushed, but they don't LL and, you know, because every card is legal all of the time, basically. Well, I, the big thing I always think about, I have a lot of uh, broken thoughts. Apparently the big thing I think about is, (laughs) um, when you really love a hero that all of a sudden becomes good, it can then go away. And that sucks <laughs> because the heroes have such uh, flavor and identity and lore associated with them and all of this stuff, you know? So it's, uh, that's that's the sucky part about it. So if you're like new hero that comes out is broken and then they just like LL in like two seasons, that's kind of a bummer. But also you have to be okay with it being a bummer because your hero was too broken and it sucked for the game. So I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the living yeah. legend system, I guess, overall. And I mean, that's, that's kind of a double-edged sword, right? Because if your hero gets some support and they become good or at least competitive, you know, then you get to like play with Azalea and like compete and, you know, win games at the top levels and it feels really good. But then, yeah, they've transitioned into maybe going away forever, which is, you know, the feel bad side of that. Like, I think one of the coolest parts about the living legend system is the, the like role playing aspect and how you're you love your hero like you're a ranger player you mm-hmm. play only azela or you're a bravo player and you play bravo through thick and thin you know through the prism meta whatever and then when you score them living legend points and you win a tournament with that hero it feels really good and your name is like cemented not only like in the flesh and blood you know archives but just for championing championing that specific yeah. hero and I think that's a pretty cool feeling and, you know, uh, a very good part of the system. But yeah, you're right. At the same time, all of a sudden, like, you know, maybe a year ago, I didn't think Lexi would LL <laughs> ever, yeah, you yeah. know? And like, uh, you know, I started playing Dromai when she first got released before anybody knew she was good. And I also wasn't good with her then. But, okay, okay, um, hipster guy. Who's the hipster now? No, I was doing it poorly. I was not doing it right at first. It took a while. But um, now Droma is quite strong, right? And she could very well LL, you know, within a year or so if she maintains her strength. So, um, you know, that's a huge bummer for me without uh, 
a hero or a play style or something to replace the the hero that rotates out it's uh it makes it pretty tough yeah absolutely and it's hard to know because living legends is also like a static number with a dynamic player base and number of events like Japan now has events and that sort of thing, but the number is still the same for them to move on. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just like, not sure how that math works out. You know what I mean? Or like how they plan on that math, like being okay. Uh, Yeah. I don't, I don't know why it hasn't been moved to like a percentage based thing or something mm -hmm. because they keep having to adjust it. And then the numbers keep changing. So that, yeah, to, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. So, so that doesn't make a ton of sense to me, but at the same time, like we've been living with this for f four years, three years. Oh, yeah. We've been living with it for three cool. games been going for four. Um, <clears throat> and it's not like other, like outside of Starvo heroes haven't like just blasted their way to living legend. You know what I mean? So it's it's not like, mm -hmm. you know, those Welcome to Wraith heroes are all still here. All four of them. Dorinthia, Reinar, Katsu, and Bravo. Ha, Thought you thought I couldn't name them all, but I can. <laughs> you know, and the... That's right. And all of the uh, Arcane Rising heroes, Dash, Azalea, Viserai, and Kano are Kano. all still here as well. So it's not like a longevity thing. You know what I mean? It's like a power thing that's moving heroes out. Yeah. One thing I don't like, like this, I was really sold on this game by the zero or the no rotation policy, which I know presents its own challenges. But after coming from like Star Wars Destiny, um, a game that rotated sets every two years or something seemed very fast to me. And I was not, I was not sold on the thing of where you buy a bunch of cards and you invest in them and you play with them. And then they're all just like fire starter after two years, yeah. you know, they're just like literally trash except unless you want to like thumb through them or something. But, um, I, I wasn't very sold on that idea. So this coming out and having a non rotating format, um, really, you know, really caught my eye. And I was like very willing to invest in this game for that reason. And again, I know it, it makes it tough on the developers because they, you know, they face design challenges and all that, that where they have to work around the system. But my, my argument here is that if too many heroes are rotating out through living legend it's essentially rotation it's just not a chronological rotation it's like a power paced rotation yeah right but if say we're hitting this critical mass and if say like eight heroes rotate out in like a year or a year and a half you know that might be a little bit too many and we start getting to that point where it's like yeah like a bunch of the cards in the game are just worthless now mm -hmm. but on the other hand, heroes rotating out instead of just relying on bands, I think has a kind of a better effect on the meta, right? Yeah. Because bands just like nerf or balance a hero. Whereas through LL, like old him leaving the meta 
I think has been an insanely healthy occurrence in the game and has like brought breathing room to a lot of, a lot of heroes. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that that that's definitely a positive over like a whole set rotation or just like bands on their own. Yeah. I definitely agree with that. And you know, it's also, it, it, yeah, there's a lot of nuance in, I believe they've talked about, uh, and they, I mean, designers, probably Brian Gottlieb, cause he's like been on 400,000 podcasts at this time or something like that. So I think at one time he talked about the living, living legend, happening a slightly more regularly but then at that same pace they can add more heroes to the game which i think one of the great um strengths of flesh and blood is that you can have these heroes and classes that i mean they do such a good job of making all of the heroes feel so unique. Like we just got three new mechanologists and never in my wildest dreams would I thought three mechanologists could be so uh, different and all three have such different flavor and you know, and all of that stuff. So they like always nail that stuff. Every time a new hero comes out, I mean, all of the assassins, uh, riptide, etc all huge all huge wins um what was i saying oh and so that's one of the best parts of the game i think and so if we can get more heroes of this quality slightly more often i think that makes for a really exciting uh game but then the flip side of that is if they're uh competitively non-viable that's pretty challenging when the basis of your game is to be a one-on-one competitive game and we're and that's definitely Mm -hmm. like how you interact with the game the majority of the time yeah and i think that there's kind of this dichotomy that or this contradiction kind of that they put out where it's like on the one hand you have these heroes that you role play with and really identify with and flesh and blood does this really well But on the other hand, I feel like they kind of have this attitude where they'll like, you know, ban a card and they're like, well, wait, or we're like, you know, wait, now this hero is unplayable. And they're like, well, too bad. They had their time in the sun. Just play something else, you know, or like, you know, a few heroes will rotate out and that allows us to introduce new heroes, you know? So I kind of feel like they have this competitive attitude where they think that, uh, the vast majority of players should play like a lot of different decks. But I feel like from most people I talk to or the spirit of the game is kind of like championing your hero or you're like maybe two or three heroes, but the ones you really love, right? Like I don't want them to just nerf Azalea into oblivion. (laughs) Well, just play dash then. And it's like, I don't fucking want to play you know, like, Anyway, no, I totally get what you're little, saying. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a great point. And one I was having as well is that like uh, classic instructed flesh and blood is challenging and there is a ton of nuance and decks evolve and stuff. And you got to keep up with those evolutions. And 
there's more reward for you specializing in heroes than totally it's so rewarding to master yeah. a hero if, sorry yeah keep going. no totally i it agree it feels good and it's it's a ton of fun and you definitely competitively can get rewarded for that you know what i mean so it, it that's like what's at play with adding new heroes you know what i mean never in a million years would i have thought they're going to design someone cooler than viscerai you know i hardly <laughs> yeah. play viscerai anymore you know i just only basically play assassins now that's like my class which is fine they're cool they're freaking they're cool that they're was so a cool well-designed yeah. class they have also a ton of For flavor sure. and that sort of thing i was like i'm a rune blade guy then chain left then skeleta left you know so i just feel like all of the fun shit is gone <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, there are other rune blades and stuff, but they have to play so differently than those ones. Anyway. Um Well, and they took they took some of the creativity out of this, right? Like like I agree with the Skeleta band because it's like broken. Absolutely. But but when like what you can do is just play Mob Sky's shrill Rosetta, and now Rosetta's gone, but you know, then it it like narrows down the play pattern. I can see why you it's like yeah. if they took out Aether Flare and wildfire out of kano you know then you're like well they kind of did in blitz you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no the bands it's all warranted and i have no uh ill feelings about that i just really liked those cards and loved uh you know whatever it was 2022 20, march when it was just like starvo and prism and skeleta viscerai it was awesome <laughs> Mm-hmm. well in a meta with starvo and prism viscerai can exist that's yeah fine, totally you know? i'm trying not to be like a downer here. who's living in the past and stuff you know uh but anyway yeah. it's um it definitely has to happen heroes gotta rotate for sure mm-hmm. uh and we gotta the pace at which they rotate i have no clue but it's like every time they leave, I'm like, goodness, graciousness, thank gosh. <laughs> I'm yeah. very happy you're going. And I I think that they're figuring it out and they're working on it and like testing different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think they're trying to find a system that like works well. But I just think that the uh the risk or or kind of maybe the collateral damage in that strategy is that just that like if they have heroes rotating too fast for a little while, then it's like, you know, there's just a lot of collateral damage yeah. for a player, right? Yeah. Like the Azalea main Azalea rotates super fast. Cause she got the Starvo treatment. And then now I'm like, you know, am I going to switch heroes? Am I just going to stop playing for a while? You know, there, there's going to be um, that effect to some degree yeah. as they iron out, you know, work out the kinks. Totally. So, um, and we see with, a couple of our first reprints too, like the, uh, I don't know how to really put this, the political damage tax mm-hmm. you have to put on prism to make her, you're just like, okay, I have to make this an yeah, illusionist and chain. Yeah. I have to make this an illusionist. Yeah. I have to make it interesting, but I also can't make it the best deck in the meta <laughs> or else mm-hmm. people will flip out. How do I do that? Impossible task. 
I still think they they nailed that. Same thing with Chain. They're like, okay, we can't even have Chain. We're gonna have Vincent. Pretty similar, mm-hmm. but not also. Yeah, I think they actually did a they did a really good job with the design of both those heroes. Absolutely, but they have to be just okay. <laughs> yeah, because if they flirt with that line, yeah, yeah. they could get they could get in trouble. Yeah, because so. people f- fucking flipped out when Briar was a Room Blade. Yeah, you know, we had Chain, and then we had Briar. People lost their mind. I think I was one of those people. You definitely were. I was like, "Fuck yeah!" Well, Rune Blades every set. <laughs> <laughs> well, because we had just slogged our way through the broken chain meta, and then got the news of Tales of Aria. <gasps> Will we get more wizard support? Will there be, you know, a like, new druid? Yeah, a new yeah. What's gonna? Oh no, it's a you know it's a broken Rune Blade. We just did this. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just try, anyway, just trying to dodge that <laughs> scenario, which yeah. is really hard. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, the the last, uh, just the last point I was going to make is that kind of one weird effect of the living legend system, alongside bands being used when necessary, kind of, but only in certain windows, is that you know, and this has happened before, like in the Starvo meta. It's it's happened a number of times before, but like right now, Lexi is like playing in a season where she's like already LL mm-hmm. and won't be legal for worlds coming up very soon. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like this weird space where it's like, well, do I want to win a pro quest and I'm good at Lexi or do I want to like practice for worlds? But then at the detriment of my play this season, is it, is it worth my time to play Lexi? Because my uh, experience doesn't amount to anything. Cause she's going to LL mm-hmm. into, you know, it's just, it's like this weird kind of, I, d- I don't have the perfect solution, but it's like this weird, place you know where starvo's churning towards 1600 living legend points after a month and a half of existence you know but that arbitrary date is not hit yet so he just gets to keep rampaging uh, you know these are all the rules they make up so yeah. you know it leads to some odd odd situations yeah and it's happened a number of times it feels like as well where like a hero's kind of ll'd and then we're just like cool we're still playing with it and that just feels weird that's probably my biggest critique Mm -hmm. is like is that and then the other excuse me sorry to cough into the microphone i apologize uh the you know uh, how i guess is my question i'm not doing a great job here i feel like stringing sentences together but you know it's okay if you whisper your sorries to me. <laughs> I'm sorry. My sentences are disjointed. <laughs> That's a college word, I think. Disjointed. Vocab word of the podcast. My question to you, Isaac, is how do we dodge the Lexi... I don't want to say issue, but what Lexi has done where she has just been like the top deck for like three different releases of flesh and blood sets. How do we avoid that? Or is that also like not something we should be worried about? Because to me, it feels like 
uh, huge snooze fest that we've been basically in a super similar meta for three different uh, flesh and blood sets. Yeah. Um, I'll just be brief because we've talked about this before, but like, I don't think like because there's always a best deck yeah. and I don't think the Lexi has been like the worst because you can beat her with like Dromai, Bravo, Uzuri, you know, you have like these decks to compete with her. Um, you know, the issue, as you said, has just been the longevity of the meta in which she's the top deck. And my, my theory is that they've, kind of corrected the game a bit and gone like maybe wider in creativity or tried to like even out the playing field rather than just going for like busted decks because that kind of had mixed results of really like pushing the envelope with like chain and prism and then aria and you know keeping continually releasing heroes that do like incredible things um maybe wasn't everybody's favorite you know competitive experience so I feel like they've been correcting their gameplay and Lexi is kind of a relic of the old yeah. gameplay. Yeah. Um, you know, with all the support she got in in uh you know the latest sets and stuff. Yeah. But I along with that theory, it's like you know, I'm hoping she did like if she LLs, then we won't suffer the same situation again. Like, I know there'll be a best deck, but, you know, uh, a new set will release a new hero that will actually compete or counter the best deck, you know? Whereas with Lexi, what we've faced has been, like, um, you know, new new Prism and new Levia, and then these new Mechanologists. But, like, we haven't seen a hero that competes with Lexi, mm-hmm. so nothing changed. Yeah. With, like, a, a l- more leveled-out game... Hopefully in upcoming sets, we'll see heroes that actually compete with the best deck or counter it, and it'll kind of flip-flop from releasing new heroes. Yeah. I think that's a fine line, though, too, right? Is because you don't want to power creep your game to make it mm-hmm. your new shiny thing uh, very, very playable. So they're... Uh, they're walking a fine line here. I love... The speed of the game I can see on the horizon as kind of some of these heroes start to start to move out, you know, you know what I mean? I really like where that is going, but at the same time, it's like, okay, then what happens when now it happens when Lexi's gone and then maybe Icelander's gone and then like, you know, we're left with Dromai, what's what does that world look like where we're kind of playing slower and there's no crazy combo or, you know, you can't just get like Miragai, Chromide turn after turn. <laughs> well, Katsu and Fai kicked the living shit out of Dromai, so. Sweet. I hope that is true. There is. Didn't we just see Dromai smoke there Fai is that on reality. Stream? Oh, I missed that. Yeah, match. I think that. It's possible. I actually have a positive record against Fives, but I feel like I just got really lucky. <laughs> but, you know, maybe not. I yeah. don't know. So anyway, that's, I mean, I'm loving where the game's going. I'm very, very excited for this uh, world's meta. 
to sit on my couch with my big fat stomach hanging out, throwing my penalty flags at the screen with my 40 ounce big gulp. You know, it's going to be awesome wearing my flesh and blood jersey. <clears throat> Can't wait to see what happens there. Uh, and then we'll see what happens as the game continues. This is a very, I think, pivotal, exciting moment that I think the game has been building towards uh, over the the past year. And so I'm really excited for that. Did, did you see that clip? So I forget what league it was in, but so this, this woman referee gives this uh, soccer player a red card, uh-huh. right? And holds it up, you know, as they yeah. do. And he had put in his pocket a reverse Uno card <laughs> and flicked it back at her <laughs> which was like the coolest thing i've ever seen it's like uh, that's hilarious yeah, what's great. funny is anyway does that player know they're gonna get carded like do they get red cards often and then second have they just been like i'm just gonna have this reverse uno card for in my pocket just in case for the last 12 years whatever it was it was worth it <laughs> But you also a lot of players get, get yellow enough. cards like every other match. <laughs> you have to get famous <laughs> enough to be on television and on a good enough team. It's a big gamble. That's true. <laughs> well, he nailed it. <laughs> Did so, it. Anyway. Beautiful moment, Beautiful uh, moment in history. Love it. Yeah. Um, so talking, actually, the discussion we were just having leads me into the next topic. <laughs> Kind of, but so riddle me this, Taylor. Why is it just because there's so many dromais? Like, why isn't Uzuri shredding Lexi in this meta? Right? I'll tell you why. Because Uzuri is not that good into Lexi. What? Yeah. It yeah. used to happen, and then now Lexi's just like so tuned and azuri just has like you know disruption or not you know so like azuri's big weakness is that she swaps you know is that she has she's running nine to 12 copies of stealth cards that basically do nothing in her deck on their own so she always has to have like a two card hand um and then when she swap, you know, she has to have like a valuable swap target. You know what I mean? And even when you do have like, you know, shakedown is very good. And so when you swap shakedown, call red, and then you like get their arrow. That's like their best card in hand. And then they just like flip up three of a kind from their arsenal, play that off their tunic. You're like, great. Now what do I do? You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. You can still swap in C and C, which is cool, uh, or use Leave No Witness. You know, there's like definitely plenty of disruption cards, but you just have this like almost third of your deck that sucks that you're gonna draw, and you're like hoping to get your other stuff at the same time. You know, I gotcha. So, I mean, my question. Go ahead. My question was based mostly on theory because I've been playing more Dromai, but just like a long time ago playing Lexi into Uzuri, it felt terrible because as Lexi, I have to build a six card hand to get over damage over the top of your excellent defenses. 
So in order to build a six card hand, you get a little bit of breathing room. And then with Codex, CNC, Leave No Witnesses, Shakedown, you know, there's like a high density of cards that like destroy my arsenal or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, get rid of my hand enough that I don't know, like Leave No Witnesses and Tread or so, I don't know. It's just like, then your whole arsenal is destroyed. Then you need to take another turn off to like build up a six card hand again. And it's just like, seem like this vicious cycle. But I guess, I guess if Lex is just tuned enough, all they need is one window. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, that's part of it. Part of it is your drill my mat. Like you're, you know, you're also really bad into Dromai. So you have to give some amount of your Lexi space you know to you're okay so this is it you're like not so good against lexi that you can just be like mm-hmm. okay i'm good enough and i will tech for this other matchup that i'm like not good at and still be able to beat lexi yeah. like because you're splitting that way it depowers you for sure <clears throat> yeah that's fair yeah and then you know there are some of the other matchups you like don't like but yeah uh the fact that she you know just doesn't she has a very a super predictable pattern and has like a bunch of dead cards which is the best way i feel like the community has figured out to use those is like looking for scrap is like the best way to try to capitalize on the fact that you have like a bunch of one power mm-hmm. blues in your deck <laughs> <laughs> That you you can then get a like one for five go again, but then also requires like a larger hand for you to be able to like capitalize on just vanilla damage. Whereas like Lexi's vanilla damage is followed by like an arrow that does something. So it's like Falcon Wing for three is like the with go again is the worst it gets. But then it's like remorseless, Mm -hmm. you know? And that has go again. And you're like, Mm -hmm. fuck, what comes after remorseless? You know? You're like shit searing shot i guess that's fine but i take all of this damage and blah 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 you know so it's part part of it is that yeah <clears throat> that's fair too a lot of those matchups like where you're like you have to be dealing enough damage through through your hit effects to like also be winning the game yeah. right like if you're like ice lexi and crippling your opponent but dealing no damage then it doesn't really matter right, <laughs> right. like if they're still dealing more damage than you despite being crippled it you know your strategy is not working even though it seems like you're in control yeah and this this is my hot take too here is i think arachne is better against lexi than azuri is and it's from the simple fact that like you don't have uh dead cards in your deck really unless you're running like remembrance those are like the worst mm-hmm. um because your one card hand is like a zero for four that takes two cards no matter what you know mm-hmm. or deals four damage is like seven points of of value roughly all of the time right or more so like baseline it does four. i guess it's more like eight or seven and a half so it does four damage and then banishes a card which the average value on like a card you could say is like three so then that's seven points right there and then if you get a contract you get like half of a point right there so that's like your base one card hand and you blocked for for nine sometimes ten if you have like 
uh, a defense reaction, mm-hmm. right? With your other three cards. So you just kind of... Well, banishing a card go ahead. is only worth three points if you they run out of cards in their deck. Right. But just like yeah. at face value, the average value of they got minus three points, mm-hmm. right? On average. And actually yeah. in Ranger, it's probably higher because all of their arrows are like basically uh, fives. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, or or a little bit more or something like that. So, uh, <clears throat> and the fact that Arachne can look at the top part of your deck, I think as your opponents get better, so does Arachne because now they're figuring that you just bottomed my three of a kind or my rain razors or my whatever, you know, or you left it on top and you have the reaction to make sure even if I block, you punish me. Or if I don't block, maybe it's a bluff. You know what I mean? So you have this like level of metagaming within the game and the fact that you have a little extra information in decks where they have like gigantic spike turns, like three of a kind rain raisers, you can actually make it so they see less of those over the course of the game. I think adds... Mm -hmm. non-tangible value or value we haven't figured out how to uh, talk about eloquently in in the matchups. Yeah. But then... Well, it's hard to rate because you, like, maybe most turns you might know what one card is in their hand the next turn or you might disrupt their pitch stack right. or you might send away a power card and that that is how to hard to quanti- quantitatively value. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, but you get absolutely hosed by Dromai. <laughs> you know, you just yeah. like don't have enough action points and you can't deal enough damage like fast enough and they can still block you and attack you mm-hmm. at the same time. So it's like, it's very bad. Well, speaking of, let's look at the meta <laughs> of this ProQuest season. Who or what are some sleepers that you've been eyeing, Taylor? <laughs> that's me being a spider arachne huntsman i've just said basically this request season fuck it you know like i'm not playing i haven't been playing arachne even though i fucking love arachne because everybody says azuri's better and he's bad and now i'm just like fuck it i don't have time to get good enough at something else i'm just gonna play arachne and you know what it's fun as shit it's not that bad into the meta and it's like not mentally taxing like playing a icelander or maybe even dromai i don't know i've never played dromai or whatever you know other heroes i've played in the past where i'm like all right we're gonna fucking we're going to go, we're going hard mode, but it's like, I'm really good. Hard mode. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You can kind of catch people with Arachne too. Like if you're really good at it and they're not quite familiar with how they should be playing this matchup. Absolutely. You know, like one freaking eradicate with a reaction and there goes like, yeah, or two, a good chunk of their deck. Yeah. Eradicate for 10. How do you play around that? It's my favorite. It's my favorite assassin card. So yeah. good. It's it's fun as shit. So that's kind of what I've been 
have sleeved up and have just been exclusively playing. And I've been finding the whole time, I'm like, you know what? Into just the general decks of stuff into Swiss, I don't feel that bad about it. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to guess most people think they're or like, oh, this is the worst hero. This is a joke or whatever. And then so like I'm going to block with my black text and then they're going to be like, dang, you took like eight damage that turn. And I'm like, yeah, I totally did. Here's this uh, zero for four. And they're like, cool, no blocks. Boom, black text, banish a card. And I go, all right, here's this other zero for four that also is going to banish cards. They're like, all right, whatever. I'm like, great, break Mask of Perdition. And now I have five silvers because both contracts have hit and I'm just going to buy back my equipment and I dealt you eight damage and I'm going to block a little bit. I'm just going to do that again. And all of a sudden you're like, fuck, I'm down 30 cards. And I'm like, yeah, and I still have like 48 and I still have 25. And the, <laughs> all the new heroes love boosting and playing your game plan. Oh, dude, totally. I can fall asleep and win those games. <laughs> They're losing cards left and right. Nice. So, all right. I got a follow up yeah, question. Do you have a closing thought first? No, I just, Arachne is still like not that great, but he's not that bad. He's just right, like right nice. where I want to be. C plus. <laughs> um, just riding the submarine where they won't see you coming. Living lurkers. Um, Okay, so here's my follow-up question. Because we've made a couple comments on how, like, um, you know, Uzuri is kind of gatekept by Dromai, and it's, you know, it's really good into Arachne. Um, uh, We were talking about another hero earlier, too. But anyway, my point being, is Dromai the new old hymn of the meta? (laughs) And that she gatekeeps, like, most decks and kind of like narrows down who you can actually hope to play and is like really unfun to play against with a lot of heroes like old him was right and i'm a dromai player and i always just say like i mean there's so many decks right like uh katsu and fi at the top of the list and then like a bunch of other decks can uh you know easily compete with dromai but the bottom line is she does like gatekeep wizards um dash assassins even strong into rangers even though she can be beat by uh, lexi and azalea so is dromai the new old him it's a great question there's uh, and i think yeah great question and because it's it's so fascinating that what we saw this weekend, you know, we saw Matthew Vore and Gui. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your name right. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> that they're on two separate types of Dromai, you know? And for some mm. reason, it's also taken us a long time. It, it took us a whole new broken book to go, oh, right, Mara Ferris was correct. We should be on this, like, red line heavy list to combat Lexi. Right. We like literally saw her do that on camera with her her mini book, her children's book of Flame Call Awakening that which goes and gets like a 
uh, Phoenix Flame, and then she can pitch that to make more Ash and like kind of fuel her turn a little bit in this like Empress Dromai list. And now that's like the new hotness because everybody's got a book and the deck's like even better. And we see it beating Lexi's, you know? But then we see Matthew Vore, who's like, fuck that book. Greetings for nerds. I'm going to just like put blues and run slightly bigger dragons and that sort of thing and like not lose equity in these other matchups, you know? And we see them do nearly exactly just as good. They both get in the finals, you know? And they're like two, two slightly different uh, dromise. <clears throat> and I think, sorry, this is a long answer. Uh, both of those dromise are like slightly susceptible to slightly different decks and gatekeep slightly different decks. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think if you're the red line deck, I think you probably do much better keeping pace with your your previous boogie people of the like aggro ninjas and that sort of thing. And with Rosetta gone, you uh, like maybe your worst matchup is like maybe a little bit easier now in like viscerai or all of rune blades or whatever uh so with with all that being said i still think dromai because of kind of the interesting well and also maybe not but just the interesting way that illusionist is like the innate like permanence but i have no weapon and i have this engine thing i still think she can be targeted and i know shout out to zane he disagrees with me but my counterpoint to that would be that like well we haven't seen her be the absolute best deck so we haven't even seen all of the tech people come up with to take her down so yeah to answer your question i do not think so until She's the absolute best deck and we have to try to beat her. I think the, those are good points, right? Because uh, after Prism LL'd, Oldham did not have like an Achilles heel, whereas Fai and Katsu and Viserai, but Viserai wasn't very prevalent. Like Fai and Katsu beat Dromai. Yeah. You know, Oldham didn't really have that exactly. And I know there are different kinds of Dromais, but my personal favorite, I really like this is probably just because it's the kind that I play, but I think that Hayden Dale and Nick Butcher did kind of the best job on Dromai, right? They're just playing like big dragons and then the powerful tome comes out and you kind of like weave that into your strategy. And for the faster matchups, yeah, you run like, you know, Snatch and you have these like overpowered cards, but your deck still has the beef cakiness to like block and play big dragons and have like... uh know value into the mirror and uh into rangers and things where we're playing a dragon has more value than playing a blaze headlong or something like that right you know? right so um i think the i really like that like big dragon incorporating like tome and snatch yeah you know just like a splash of like a little more aggression although since since we're all over the place this pod i did i did wonder and nick butcher has tested a lot more than i have recently and i'm not like questioning his 
um, decisions. They probably found this in testing, but I did find it odd in the finals against Azalea that he ran the tomes and the crown and dominion and like not a lot of defensive cards. Whereas I've always found that the way you beat Azalea is you just get incremental advantage, yeah. right? Like every time you play a dragon, it's like really hard for them to get rid of and you get overvalue out of it. And you need like, you know, the sand covers, the oasis, the defense reactions, like all those things. So just seeing him running like the tomes that don't block and like a headpiece that doesn't block and stuff, I was like, did they find like a more did they find that like erasing Azalea more was better or anyway, it was just different yeah. than my experience had been. Yeah. Interesting. So I, uh, I thought that was an interesting game to watch. Absolutely. And I think you can say the inverse of that is also true though, right? Like, well, that hero has a hard time dealing with my core game plan. So what if I rev up my core game plan to 10? That surely will yeah. like be much harder more proactive rather than reactive right to the, mm-hmm. to my opponent so yeah like have one one tome turn to slap down three dragons yeah totally whatever. you're like yeah it's it's chromai Moraga, yindrai what are you gonna do you know you're fucked mm-hmm. fair <laughs> enough so uh although he wasn't <laughs> spoilers yeah spoilers not fucked <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, it, I mean, you know, and I think the broader uh, topic here too is like, you don't have to play flesh and blood is fun. And I think we, we forget that, that the game is fun <laughs> because of a little bit how it's marketed to us and the zeitgeistiness of like, you know, a lot of the content people want to see is winning deck techs, you know, or really high level play. So everybody can like live the dream of like getting better or seeing what the game's played at as like highest level. But like we've said many times on this podcast, like uh, there are just as many first round losers as there are, winners and only eight people mm-hmm. make top eight so there's like a lot of other games going on that don't have to be so sweaty you know what i mean yeah and uh that's my goal for this upcoming weekend is to just like really enjoy playing the game not mm-hmm. like being stressed out about winning at the game i just want to have a great time playing the game like high five my opponents tell them they're awesome do some fucked up shit with Arachne, come in f- with surgical extraction for 10 and just see if they can play around that, you know? Yeah, like play each game individually. Yeah. And have a good time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. And I think that you're, you're very right. I mean, this game has been hardcore marketed as like a competitive high-level circuit game. Yeah. Right, which doesn't mean you can't play it at home, but it's definitely like, you know we see the repercussions of that like armory from the armory level and up it's like highly competitive right and you know like individuals bring the energy they want to the table and not all games have to be like that but you definitely see uh you know quite a lot of competitive 
attitudes or competitive play. Yeah. And there's also the nothing wrong with being competitive and trying to win. And that's one of the appeals of the game is that it has this competitive circuit, you know, but I've just been such a, I felt like journeyman for so long of trying to find what my identity is. And I'm, I'm feeling confident now in my choices, you know, big Icelander made played a ton of Icelander. And then Michael Hamilton came along and ruined it and made the deck like too good. And <laughs> it was like, not where I wanted to be. Cause then you have guilt, right? You have like, well, fuck, I'm playing the best deck and I'm not the best. That means I suck, not the deck, <laughs> you know? So you're like, well, now I'm wasting my time because I'm losing on the best deck, which is just a fallacy also, you know, but anyway, I digress. I very much look forward to this weekend. Uh, you know, hope everybody's been testing for Arachne. I'm going to fucking spike this tournament. Who knows? Probably going to win a game. That's my goal. Win a game. No, you're going to, you're going to get them. You're going to get them. Thanks. They're all going to be on. Fi. Everybody's on Fi. Azalea, calling Azalea list or Fi or. That'd be great. We're going to handle that. Empress Dromai or something, and you're just gonna Empress Dromai. Oh yeah, and regicide them. Tear through them. Be great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like you should get living legend points if you kill somebody with regicide. <laughs> you know, like that's. I think that'd be fair. One, one point. point. There should be a little box on Jim yeah. that says, "Did you regicide your opponent?" I did. <laughs> Good. You get one point. <laughs> Death by regicide. Check here. <laughs> Yeah. You get one living legend point side quest. Nice. (laughs) Well, I wish there were quests in flesh and blood. That would be amazing. Maybe one day there will be, who knows? Um, so what else? So this has been a bit of a meandery, uh, walkthrough of our, our thoughts on the meta coming up, but, um, what are the thoughts you got for me? I think I have zero and we should just move into our signature segments. I've said it all. Fair enough. All right. I have, I have a, another question for you though, before we move in, is this, is this a specialist meta? Uh, Lexi dominated meta. Is it a rock, paper, scissors meta? Is it, well, I mean, what, how does the playing field look to you here? Is it just like a, a chaotic brawl that you just dive headlong with your battle axe into that kind of meta. That sounds like a great meta. Um, <clears throat> gosh, I don't really know. I mean, obviously the whole format's warped around Lexi, so it's definitely a Lexi meta, but I think her level of power is not so oppressive that specialists can't do well, you know? We've kind of been seeing it this whole time since uh, maybe not dusk till dawn, but yeah, since dusk till dawn, just like specialists still doing really well, you know? And I think we're at that phase in the game's life and history that enough people have been playing enough flesh and blood on their singular hero that uh, they can just do really well. So I'm going to say it's a little bit of both. And it'll probably always be a little bit of both until it's not. And those are all my non-committal answers. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's play some games. 
Awesome. Pick, pass, pray first, you say? Okay, we haven't done this in a while, but we got ourselves a new draftable set. And so Love it. we're going to do a little draft game we made up during the pandemic when we had nothing else to do. So I love this game. I love this segment. I'm glad it's back. I love you. Here it is. I love you. I'm glad you're back. <laughs> Thanks. It's a draft scenario. I'm going to give you three cards, Isaac. One you're going to pick, one you're going to pass, and one you're going to pray comes back around. And these are all from the newest set, Bright Lights. Are you ready? I am. Okay. First card up is Medics Red. Pitches for one, costs one, defense for three, attacks for four, and is obviously a mechanologist attack action. It has boost. And when this hits, you may put an item with zero or one cost from your hand into the arena. Next, we have Backup Protocol Red. Cost zero, pitches for one, defends for zero, and is an item with crank. This enters the arena with a steam counter. At the start of your turn, destroy this unless you remove a steam counter from it. Instant, pay two, destroy this, return of red mechanologist attack action from your graveyard to your hand. Third and final card, ratchet up. Red, pitches for... One, cost one, attacks for five, defense for two. And it says, if an item you control has been destroyed this turn, this card, cards, action cards get minus one while defending this. That makes sense. So if you destroy an item, any action card that defends it gets minus one defense. And it also has galvanize. When this defends, you may destroy an item you control. If you do, this gets plus two defense. Rest under the shade wrought by our wise founders that you may venture deeper into the great unknown. Professor Men. So, Isaac, which card are you going to pick, pass, and pray comes back around? Hmm. Hmm. Thinking, continuing to think. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Medics. Mm. I think it's just a strong card in general. Blocks three, thread one for four, has a actually kind of threatening hit effect um, that your opponent may not want to happen. Uh, the boost, it will cost two cards out of your deck if you choose to go that way. But, um, you know, further on in your turn, you can swing your weapon or whatever and uh, hopefully make it worth it. I think I'm going to pray that backup protocol comes back around. I'm like unsure about this one, but it does have crank, which en- enables certain things. Mm-hmm. It's a zero cost item. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it. it's a bit of a workaround. I don't know if it's worth it, but it can get you some pretty powerful cards back especially if you're playing against fatigue or somewhere where you actually get the like breathing room to use this card. So I'm going to pray that backup protocol comes back around. What do you think, Taylor? Oh, so then you're going to pass on ratchet up. I am. Okay. Just wanted you to complete the pick pass. 
pray um i cycle. think ratchet up isn't <laughs> i don't think it's bad i think it's pretty good but it's a one for five two block that cannot have go again so is a bit more limited like the galvanize has value when it's online but not when it doesn't yeah. so I- i'm gonna pass ratchet up interesting yeah uh hard for me to evaluate because like because with backup protocol red if that is on the field and you have a blue if your hand was backup protocol red in a blue you can play well you don't even need a blue you need a yellow no you need a blue you can play backup protocol red crank it and then spend your one resource to play then ratchet up which you get from your graveyard and you've destroyed an item so now you have that slight buff to red ratchet up you know where two cards that block for three now block for four and you can get a point of damage through you know so that makes it hard to evaluate and in bright lights draft red attacks are at a absolute premium you know Mm -hmm. so as it were i think i'm just gonna flat agree with you because medics blocks for three and is still a threatening red you know Mm -hmm. yeah don't have to use the boost don't have to use the boost and it blocks for three it has a few more like always active safe modes you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It would be better if it was free. That I would really love to have. Uh, actually, no. For parity, backup protocol red is like super good. To get your best card back twice, to play it twice, super good. So I'm going to pick that. I'm going to pray. Okay, medics is not coming around, so I'm just gonna give up on that, and I'm gonna pray Ratchet Up comes <laughs> back, and I can get that combo off. I talked myself into it there. I think Backup Protocol's red upside is way better, and it's it's generally like really good in all three heroes. Like I can play it in Teclovasen and get my like my junkyard dog back, or my Liquid Cooled Mayhem late game or something like that. And then in max, it's a two card hand for the hammer that I can keep it around or the wrench. I can keep it around. And then in dash Shio or dash database, I can just like, you know, it's one of the best items I would like to have in my deck. So go in that ratchet up and then medics is not coming around if I let it go. So we're just going to pass on that. There we go. I did it nice realistic goals <laughs> medics is not coming back around we're not even gonna hope totally. for it. and with that we're gonna just like motor on along here to board game from the closet with isaac here at the attack action podcast we love to play many games not just flesh and blood not just card games we love all games role-playing games uh worker placement games euro games battle games whatever games you can think of sports games the most dangerous game (laughs) and (laughs) and that's a patreon only thing and um (laughs) 
And sometimes we like to share one of those games with you. This might not be the best game in the world or our favorite game, but it's one that we really love. And tonight I'm going to share a board game from the closet that I just recently played. Now, Mitch gets credit for getting this game. I did not purchase it, but it's excellent. It is called Heat, Pedal to the Metal, and is made by the company that makes Ticket to Ride and other similar games to that. They make pretty high-quality games in general. They're usually pretty successful. So Heat is a racing game. It's a board game where you have four different tracks you can choose from and you race two to six players around the track a number of laps now i really really like this game because it feels like you're racing your car you have a gearbox you shift up and shift down you can overheat your car by blowing through a turn too fast you have cooling systems there's a little mini draft game before you play where you can like pick some cooling systems or you can uh, pick cards that make uh, like slip streaming an opponent more productive, or you can choose cards that are more versatile, like better tires where you can play them for multiple different values. And uh, there's all these little interactions that you do while racing around the track that really make it feel like you're managing your speed in your car and driving. It's excellent. This game also came at kind of a time when like we're in the golden age of board games right or at least war i don't don't know if we are anymore but while we have seen so many excellent games there have been a lot of games that even if they're really good i kind of was getting to the point where i was like wait this is another like euro worker placement game (laughs) just with a different skin on it you know and like one little trick you know And even if it's great, it's like, I don't know how many of those games you need. And this board game is unique and it makes you feel like you're racing your car and you're vying for a position against opponents. You're really racing against them. And uh, I really appreciate that about it. Mitch and I have had a ton of fun um, going fast, you know, just want to go fast. So Oh, another thing about this game is it's very scalable. Like Mitch and I played just the two of us. And then you have like some NPC cars on the track, which aren't as good as real opponents, but they do feel, make the track feel populated and like perform their, their role. And you can play up to six players, which I assume is just like a huge amount of fun. I can't even imagine how great that is, but having a game that plays two to six is very versatile. Not a lot of games do that well. And this one does. So that I think that that's a huge selling point as well. So uh, I am not personally a huge racing fan, although uh, driving does appeal to me to some degree. Um, I very much like this game, despite not, you know, I'm not like a NASCAR junkie or anything. I just, uh, you know, like grinding gears and, I don't know, burning through turns, overheating my car till it's too hot. And then I, uh, I don't have any more heat to give to pull the next maneuver. And then, you know, I blow up or whatever. So, uh, if that sounds enjoyable to you, look it up. It's called heat pedal to the metal. And it's, uh, I think some races could take like 
over an hour, but it's like really quick setup and, you know, relatively quick to play. So there's a campaign mode. You can play through multiple tracks and keep track of your races. And you have like sponsors that if you slip past an opponent on a tight corner, you get like, you know, a bonus card that you get to use one time or, you know, it, it just goes on and on. They, they put a lot of thought into developing the race feel. Nice. So, yeah. The, that's my game. It sounded a ton like uh, a board game. I really enjoy Flamme Rouge, which is about mm. uh, cycle racing, racing, racing bicycles. And it is by the same game designer. So this is kind of the spiritual successor uh, to that game. Cool. Yeah, which I also found that game to be really fun as well and simulated the Tour de France pretty accurately. Yeah, I remember you uh, talking about that game, I believe, on the podcast. Yeah. But you've definitely told me about that game. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, I would be interested in checking his updated version out about how that, that game is. Cool. Sounds fun. Love it. Shit, yeah. Amazing. Okay, cool. All right. We did it. We podcasted. Once again, episode uh, 77. Congratulations. Holy shit. Yeah, we're creeping up on 100 here. Well, this one's not going to be two hours, but most of them are two. 77 podcasts at two hours a podcast is a lot of podcast. <laughs> and it's all free, baby. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Isaac. Great to see you. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, we appreciate you. We love you. We hope you have the best time playing in whatever flesh and blood games you're going to play. And yeah, we love you and goodbye. Good to see you, Taylor. Good night, everyone. Thank you for listening. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at the attack action podcast on Twitter. We are at BattleBroTaylor and at BattleBroIsaac. Shoot us an email, theattackactionpodcast at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, like and subscribe, shop for singles using our affiliate link, or support our Patreon for as little as $4 per month.